This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Warning. The following podcast, which contains strong language and mature content, is unsuitable for children or for the faint of heart. The subject matter discussed will be frightening and graphic in nature. Listener discretion is advised. When you want to hear about the paranormal, you get the spooked girls. True crime that makes you hypothermal with the three spooked girls. Stabby snippets will give you dreams. Tara and Jessica will make you. Along with the spooked girls Bring on the slaughter We on that haunted ground The three spooked girls Hey spooksters and welcome back to another episode here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara and as always I am here with my ghoul friend Jessica. Hey spooksters! That was weird. (laughs) (laughs) You're fine. And today we are bringing you another patron select. This episode is dedicated to our patron, Holly. Holly has selected the Molly Stark, oh my God, Molly Stark Sanitarium. I thought I was supposed to say stork. My brain just, nope. Okay. (laughs) I was like, no, wait. I was like, it's wrong. I was like, no, wait. I know how to read. It's fine. (laughs) So this is going to be like quite a bit of history. And then I found some personal encounters because this is a haunt location. So we're just going to go ahead and get into it. Now we're going to go back to 1927 when they were formulating the plans for the sanitarium. Sanatorium, They had a $750,000 bond issued that was passed by the county voters. That's like a lot of money for 1927. That is a lot That's of crazy, money. Right? Plans for this was to make it a 150-bed hospital, and this was approved by the state on April 27, 1927. The architect who would be in charge of this was Albert Thayer from Newcastle, Pennsylvania, and Molly Stark would end up opening on October 23rd of 1929, so they got to work. They did it in like two and a half years. That's pretty good for back then, because a lot of times with these, we see it takes like five, ten plus years. So two years, not bad. 
It was one of 25 tuberculosis hospitals in Ohio and BTW. This hospital is located in Louisville, Ohio, just for reference. So it is described as a Spanish revival style, and it is a four-story facility. And there's large windows, balconies, rooftop verandas, all kinds of cool stuff. And the property also included a children's hospital, a nursing home, a superintendent's residence, and a power plant. So all kinds of things. Got a lot of stuff. And the Works Progress Administration installed almost 1,200 feet of tunnels at the hospital. Basically, this was buried infrastructure between the buildings. So, you know, we, we see this kind of thing with these older hospitals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Now, also like other hospitals, they did have a system with their patients. So the severity would basically tell where a patient would be on each floor. So the bedridden patients were on the top floor, and as they improved with their health, they would go down lower until they reached the bottom floor. And if you were on the you were on the bottom floor, you could roam around the grounds because you were in, you know, good enough health. And the second floor was basically a large assembly room that could accommodate 100 people with a library, a game room, and they also had radios. And then in 1948, the county voters passed a $500,000 bond to go towards the expansion of this facility. And then after that, they also received an additional $250,000 in state and federal assistance. So they got just as much as they did when they built this originally. So they got $750,000. And then about four years later, they did like a whole like a whole thing with it, right, with all the money. So they expanded the east and west wings designed by Charles Firestone, and then this opened up the hospital's capacity from 128 to 230 patients. And they also added in a larger laundry area and kitchen as well. So at least these people were doing good things with the money for the facility. So as time went on by the 50s, of course, antibiotics are coming into like into play with the medical treatment for tuberculosis and whatnot. So the need for tuberculosis patients at this facility kind of started to dwindle, right? And in 1956, they changed it to Molly Stark Hospital, and they began admitting non-tuberculosis patients. And the last remaining of the tuberculosis patients were transferred to J.T. Nist Nursing Home in 1970. So by then, they had no tuberculosis patients whatsoever. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I want to say that I find it even more interesting that it's named Molly Stark and that's Tony Stark's daughter's name. I'm pretty sure. Oh my God. <laughs> that's funny. And I have to Google it to make sure because I feel like I may have just led people astray. Yeah. They could yell at us. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. And as we move into July of 1975, there was a wave of staff resignations and a growing fiscal deficit. About 38 of the hospital's 300 employees had resigned since the first of the year, and the current deficit was of $213,000, and it was projected to reach $389,000 by the end of the year. So, not, not good. Her name was Morgan Stark. I just had to... Close enough. Close enough. (laughs) Save myself. Even with all of that, the hospital would not close its doors until 1995. 
And basically they closed because they weren't getting enough patients and just the facility was, you know, outdated and things like that. And they obviously didn't have the budget to upgrade. So in 2001, architect John Patrick Pickard recommended that the building could be rehabilitated into an assisted living facility or a conference center. Stephen Kuhn, who was a local developer, had proposed converting the hospital into a retail complex and apartments in 2004. Now, there was a price tag that was pretty hefty to go along with this. So there was a lot of asbestos in this whole Mm -hmm. thing, this whole area. And it was estimated that it would cost about $2 million to get rid of it. And so both of those developers were like, eh, no, thank you. And not only that, but to renovate it and turn it into anything was an estimated $10 million cost. So you're looking at like $12 million total. Holy shit. That's a lot of fucking money. Mm -hmm. So that didn't happen. There was some developers that tried to go like after like a state grant, apparently, because I guess they thought it would be worth it, but they were denied. And then in 2008, there was a suspicious fire. And this led the county to hire McCabe Engineering to evaluate what environmental hazards existed in the building so the county could seek a buyer. And in that September, the county park board set a one-week deadline for anyone who would like to make a viable proposal for the complex before it would be put up for auction. And that came and went. On October 2nd, the county board offered to buy the hospital and its grounds for $1. (laughs) (laughs) Fucked up. Yeah. And then in turn, the county opened the first public park in the township in 2009. And really, the only other like update on it was a really, really old article. And this was from 2014. And it said that the county received $200,000 for cleanup of the asbestos in the complex. What is that, like 10% of what they needed? (laughs) Right. Very little. Yeah, very, very little. And there was, you know, there was articles saying like, oh, there's future plans. And then I was like, There was not really anything else. So it's just kind of like chilling there, you know. So the ghosty things, friends. So kind of like the overview is that employees that have worked here have said they have heard they've heard voices. They've heard heavy objects being moved. You know, nobody's around. Some have seen white mists, elevators operating on their own and rumors of a man in a brown suit roaming the property, which is interesting. And people have reported seeing figures staring at them from windows and from the balconies. Spooky, spooky. Interesting. And there's just been like all kinds of stuff. Now, I did find two. One's a blog and the other one's kind of like an article of people's personal experiences here. Because interesting enough, there's really not like a ton on this place. Like if I'm being totally honest with you. Mm -hmm. So... I am just going to go ahead. I'm pulling it up and I am going to read both of those for us. So our first one comes from live sci-fi.tv. So it's titled Ghosts of Molly Stark Asylum. And the author says, my name is Adriana and I live in Canton, Ohio. Use my name if you would like. We have a place named Molly Stark Asylum Hospital or Molly Stark Park. And she kind of gives like a brief history that we went over. And she also talks about about the treatment of the patients. So I'm going to start there. Now, she says, I have heard that oftentimes nurses would take children who were infected with TB and wrap them up in blankets for fresh air and set them on the roof. Many children, however, would roll off the roof and fall to their deaths. The fuck? Right? What the hell? 
Lobotomies were also performed in the hospital along with electroshock therapy. Some of those admitted would endure. Okay, I take back like all the yay, they're using the money for good shit because apparently these people were fucking dicks. So not surprised, though. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Some of those. Some of those admitted would endure ice baths also. It is speculated that a lot of the patients were mistreated as well. They would lock some up in rooms and just wait for the screams to end. Not just ones that were admitted died, but also doctors and nurses. Some rooms were for learning, others for hurting. One day, my boyfriend Dale and I went to Molly Stark Asylum. We heard things, saw things, and felt things. We managed to get in through a window and started exploring. Yeah, because spoilers, I don't, it's not like. Let's do ghost tours because of all the fucking asbestos and shit. Right. While inside, we found a lockbox with a syringe holder in it from the 1950s in perfect condition and a key. We don't know where the key goes, but we hope to find out one day. I am a medium and I channel energy. The screams and conversations I heard in the hospital killed me inside. I could hear the children's screams and cries for their mommies and daddies, countless cries for help. As I was walking, I saw a little boy roaming around the halls. For whatever reason, I couldn't get his name, but I sensed he was not there to do harm. He wanted to help me. I followed the boy, and he took me to what I believed to be his bed. This bed was old and had an all-wire frame. As I waited for him to reappear, I decided to sit on it. As I waited patiently, Dale asked me, Did you hear that? I looked to him and said no calmly. All was dead silent then. Then we heard a loud scream. Oh, fuck no. No, no, no. If I hear loud scream, I'm leaving. Goodbye. (laughs) I immediately jumped off the bed and stood waiting for another, but didn't hear another scream. Some say there are tunnels in this place, but we haven't been there yet. On the lower levels of the hospital, however, you can hear screams. In between the screams, I swear I could hear inviting words, but I dare not listen to them. While visiting the asylum, Dale and I once heard a woman clear as day say, plead or please. When we heard this, Dale had turned to me paler than I had ever seen him. When we wanted to leave, there was a window that we saw. Through that window, we saw a woman who stood by the entrance we came in. She had long, brown, curly hair to her waist, and she looked as though she had not eaten in a long time. Her eyes were even darker than her hair. I felt like she would watch the others leave, yet for some reason, I felt that she was trying to pull me back in. With a grin upon her face, but when I went to get out, it felt like someone was trying to pull me back into the place. My nickname is Audrey, so spooked me, yes. But anyhow, it was an awesome night of adrenaline pumped through our veins, but worth it. I'm assuming that the ghost said her nickname. We captured pictures with orbs in them. One of them has a face we thought was a shadow in a window or maybe paint until we walked up to the window of the small little church built alongside Molly and there was nothing there. You can take this as you wish. Call it bullshit. Call me crazy. Not believe a lick of it. But it happened. All right. Please, if you do find this interesting, feel free to contact me. She's obviously writing the author. May your nightmares become dreams, my dear friend. <laughs> oh, geez. And then there was like a couple comments on there being said ones like, I'm in Ohio too. Some places are truly haunted. Interesting. And there was a video, but it's like, it's not on there anymore. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this other one is a blog that I found. This dude went to Molly Stark with his brother, and that's brianmoreland.blogspot.com. And he gives like a brief history as well. And if you are interested in seeing like extra pictures besides what we post on social media, he's posted some from their trip. Okay, so his encounter goes. Since Molly Stark Sanatorium was built with many windows, there's a lot of opportunities to capture possible apparitions. After reviewing the many photos we had taken, we were able to set aside a few questionable ones which appear to reveal faces and upper bodies. 
Most of them we were able to debunk as either objects inside the room, smears, or physical contamination on the window or abstract lighting. The one we earmarked was done so because we were able to rule out these variables with the apparent apparition and still couldn't explain the figure to be anything other than someone peering through the window at us. Photos of the balconies and verandas generally revealed nothing except for one shot of the far left archway on the front of the hospital closer to the east wing. In our original photo, an orb was revealed in the darker area at the top just to the left of the keystone. And I'll probably like screenshot and post those pictures because like it's a pretty bright orb in this one. Also, during our investigation, at the end of the wall of the east wing, we discovered a large hole in which looked like a ventilation shaft fitted with a domed cover. Two members of our team, one female and one male, took turns speaking loudly into the vent. After several attempts, we were able to discern two responses coming from within the shaft. One response sounded like a yes when the question was asked, is there anyone here? The other response sounded like an airy grunt when someone asked, what's your name? We didn't carry any sound recording devices with us, so these voices are undocumented personal experiences. At this point, we were convinced that Molly Stark was quite active, so I began to search for an entrance into the complex. After walking down the backside of the east wing, we came to a juncture where the west wing began. There was a window which appeared to have been completely removed and hadn't been boarded up like the others on the ground level entrances. I climbed into a very small room which looked like it had been used for storage purposes when the hospital had been open. The single door led me into the hallway filled with debris along with odds and ends of furniture. Although the lighting was dimmer in the building, I could clearly see the the elevator doors off to the left, which made the hairs on my arms stand up. As I continued shooting photos while walking down the hallway, I began to hear a faint movement on the steps just down near the end. The closer I got, those steps became more intense. The alarm started going off in my head that there was more than one entity approaching. I have always been sensitive to paranormal activity, so I use this as another tool of investigation. At this point, my instincts screamed at me to get out of there, and so I did, very quickly. Ooh. Yeah, right? The investigation of Molly Stark proved to be more active than we expected. All of the rumors I had heard through my childhood turned out to generally be true. We didn't believe any of the figures or entities seen or felt in this hospital are of a malevolent nature. After all, Molly herself was a wonderful, caring person, and it would certainly be that the sanatorium was named after her to follow and suit in nature. Okay, I wonder if he has something on her, because like when I was looking up stuff, it, it didn't even tell me anything about like the person it was named after. Hmm. Like I said, I didn't I didn't find anything anywhere else about where the name came from, but this person has a little paragraph, so I'll just tell you what they said. So they said that the name came from Elizabeth Molly Page, and she was the wife of a Revolutionary War soldier named John Stark. And he was one of George Washington's generals and was said to be known for his incredible insight and mastery of the battlefield. So that's interesting, right? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. But yeah, so I don't know if I want to risk getting a spest, like, you know, inhaling that shit. But (laughs) it seems like because of how the horrible treatment that they had with these patients and because, you know, obviously, I'm sure there was like a lot of death there. So these hospitals always have a lot of, you know, ghosty ghosts. But I ain't gonna tell y'all to go. We normally are like, go check it out and let us know. But don't go get asbestos poisoning or cancer or whatever. Can't do that. (laughs) But it was an interesting one to talk about. So thank you, Holly. And thank you for supporting the show. We appreciate you. And if you would like your own dedicated episode, you can go to patreon.com backslash three spooked girls. This perk starts at our $10 tier. 
But with that, we are going to go ahead and sign off and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye.